أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا مولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وضرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد We continue our reading from Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali's Warathatul Anbiya the heirs of the Prophet, ably transmi- translated by Imam Zaid, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, accept from both and uh, give an increase in the rank of both according to their station. Uh, we continue uh, the subsection uh, in the chapter regarding grazing the gardens. Uh, dhikr, Iman, and Ihsan. Gatherings of dhikr or remembrance also include gatherings of tafsir, of the explanation of the Quran. Uh, and uh, by the way, as a small aside, Mulana Ashraf Ali Tanwi Ta'ala from our Akabir Mashaykh, he mentions uh, something. He says that there are two subjects in my day and age. He was, of course, alive uh, in the late 1800s and early 1900s. He passed. Uh, he said that if there are two subjects in my day and age, in our day and age, which are most abused. And uh, he says one of them is tafsir and the other is tasawwuf. If I have a chance, if Allah gives me life, I would like to address uh, uh, this abuse and uh, uh, write about its rectification. And alhamdulillah, by Allah's fadl, he, he did a, a lot in both fields. The point is that tafsir is saying what does Allah mean by a certain ayah. And to claim something on behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, is a big claim and uh, tafsir is, is really it is a science it is not an art um, it is not a form of entertainment like it's been uh, turned into nowadays uh, if anyone uh, sees uh, uh, my programs on the Islamic Center of Cleveland page um, every night we talk about you know some verses that are that are uh, you know from the juz that corresponds to that night so tonight is the eighth night so we talked about some verses from the eighth juz. I don't call the 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 talk tafsir. Uh, why? That's a very heavy burden. Uh, I don't call it tafsir. We call it like reflections from the Quran or something like that. Uh, whereas, unfortunately, a lot of people use the word tafsir and they have no idea what they're talking about. Tafsir is of one of two types. There's either ma'qul and manqul. One is uh, a tafsir that has to do with rationality, which is interpreting the Quran through the sound principles of the uh, Arabic language, whether it be its syntactical grammar or morphology, uh, through uh, analysis of different uh, rhetorical possibilities um, uh, or uh, its lexicography, you know, what do words mean? Even then, it's, it's, a, it's a science, you know. Sayyidina Abdullah bin, Abdullah bin Abbas, when he would say, you know, in front of, for example, the Khawarij and things like that, uh, he would say that this word means this or that. They would challenge him to say, "What's your proof?" And he would bring uh, he would bring ashar from jahiliyyah uh, as thubut as proof. That's why the Arabic dictionary uh, I have. A, I'm looking right now at my copy of the Lisan al Arab, and it's it's a beaut. It's really beautiful, and it's uh, in 26 volumes. And uh, uh, the Arabic dictionary is unlike the English dictionary. Uh, the Arabic dictionary is much like a masjid you might find in. Uh, uh, a certain portion of New Jersey, uh, it, it will always uh, give you Dalil. 
if you say anything, you have no Dalil, then you're going to get shut down. Uh, it, uh, uh, mashallah, there's Dalil for everything from the Hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and from uh, the Quran and even from the Ash'ar of Jahiliyyah. In fact, that's one of the wonderful things about a number of different tafsirs and Qurtubi and things like that. When they say that a certain word is, you know, means a certain thing, they'll bring, they'll bring the, the Dalil of why it means what it does. This is a very scientific topic. A person who doesn't know Arabic cannot give tafsir dars. You know, that we have many aunties and uh, many uncles uh, 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 of all different races that will sit down and say, we're going to talk about the tafsir. And really, it's just like stories that, you know, this verse of the Quran makes me think of. It's not really tafsir. Uh, and so uh, the, the linguistical, the ma'pul is through the linguistical interpretation and through the sound interpretations of logic. Uh, or of the rational sciences which are agreed upon by all peoples um, you know like syllogisms like you know if a equals b and b equals c a should equal c um, that type of that type of uh, that type of rational analysis which is again very precise it's not subjective and the other uh, great branch of tafsir is the manqul uh, meaning those narrations from the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his learned companions and their learned disciples from the aslaf regarding what things mean and what things don't mean and what they might mean and what they uh, cannot mean. And, uh, uh, you know, this is, again, a, a very technical science, uh, which seems to be very absent from very absent from what most people think about tafsir. So I just, that's a very necessary uh, footnote here because he says that the, the gatherings of tafsir uh, 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 our gatherings of dhikr, but it's not this like story time with, uh, you know, you know, brother Bob, uh, type of, uh, nonsense that, you know, and I don't want to say nonsense because yes, maybe it is like helpful for a person in like some, you know, chicken soup for the soul, you know, type of way, like a, the milk of human goodness type of way. And people get some benefit from it. So that's fine, but don't, think it's what tafsir is. You want to know what a tafsir is, go crack open the tafsir of Baydawi and uh, whoever can, you know, explain, you know, any paragraph of it co coherently uh, to me, then I'll, I'll sit in that person's halaqa of, of learning. Uh, that's the, the, the madar for what tafsir is. You know, go crack open, uh, go crack open Baydawi and explain it to me. And uh, that's what, you know, where you're going to get the asrar tanzil, uh, like the, like the tafsir is named. Um, the, the secrets will divulge themselves from the secrets of that which was sent down. And so, so the gatherings of dhikr include gatherings of tafsir, uh, gatherings in which the way of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam are related. So sunnah, the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, reading of books, the books of hadith, the books of fiqh that interpret the sunnah. You know, the Risalat ibn Abi Zayd al-Qayrawani, one of the reasons I really love it is because not only is it a book that you can learn a lot about fiqh from, but it's really a book of the sunnah. And uh, I think, you know, I feel the same way about like, you know, from the from the, from the books of the Hanafis, the Muqtasar Quduri is really, it, it is like that, you know. I feel like, you know, Imam Nawawi, uh, you know, his effort that he put into uh, Riyal al-Salihin and, and the Kitab al-Adhkar, you know, really convey that. This is Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, which is the platform by which, uh, you know, uh, the different sciences are being being uh, taught. These are also uh, these are also gatherings of dhikr. And with particular regard to the, the, the books in which the hadith are mentioned, uh, even in them, a person sits and 
says sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam again and again and the 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 qari and the sami all of them say salat and salam on the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taradhi on the the companions radiyallahu anhum uh, so many times that you actually it, it becomes the the gathering dhikr both in the sense of repeating uh, a blessed formulae uh, as well as uh, uh, in 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 gaining in knowledge and learning and uh, unfortunately i feel like we have a lot of people like i love nasheeds you know if I could, I'd sing a nasheed right now, but it's probably going to like make people run away from like uh, listening to the rest of the bayan. So I'll just end the recording and sing to myself. But the idea is, I love all that stuff. I'm not saying it's haram. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, right? But there are some people who will exert a certain amount of energy in order to go to the the gathering of the nasheeds and the munshideen and to go to, uh, uh, you know, the gatherings in which, you know, it's like, oh, look, it's the molid. We celebrate the molid, right? And I'm not talking about the, the 12th of Rabi'il Awal. I'm talking about a gathering in which the, the, the blessed, blessed remembrance of the Prophet wasallam is made. And I don't have a problem with that. In fact, I enjoy those gatherings myself oftentimes, despite the usuli issue about the 12th of Rabi'il Awal, putting that issue to the side. Uh, however, the thing that, that kind of chaps me a little bit is like, look, if your uh, hamasa and your love and your excitement for the Prophet wasallam is so much, why is it that there's like just a, like... A huge group of people that are interested in going when it's fancy dress and singing but like when the actual like you know the books of hadith are cracked open or when the books of learning are cracked open they, they they'll say see these that's very dry it's very dry it's not for me it's great i'm like i respect it but i just it's not for me and i'm like oh cool i thought they were inseparable my bad you know and then i i, I kind of feel, feel like a wahhabi because i don't want to go to those uh, uh, to those gatherings anymore because that kind of spill, like, spoils it for me. And not everyone who goes and has those gatherings are, are like that. And so the ones that have the people who are not like that, those are the ones that I feel excited about them again. Um, uh, like I've mentioned this story before, when I was studying in Pakistan, uh, there was a great amount of antagonism between the government and the ulama, uh, which is uh, not a unique issue to Pakistan, nor is it a unique issue to this age uh, uh, in the um, in the history of Islam, that tension has always been there. And there's some khair in that tension, actually. Um, it's a sign that the ulama keep pulling the people of the dunya toward the haq. And uh, uh, alhamdulillah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep the heads of our ulama kiram high. And may Allah ta'ala keep their honor and defend them when nobody else is there to defend them and protect them when no one else is there to protect them. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, make them such that uh, when they speak, the, the children of the dunya uh, tremble in front of them. And may Allah ta protect them from the plots and schemes of uh, those people who don't venerate this sacred knowledge, which is the deen. Uh, and so I remember when we were studying the government, the military dictator at the time, he had, uh, he had beef with the, with, the, with the madaris and with the ulama. And so in the month of Rabi'ul Awal itself, there was actually a, a, a rule, ruling that was promulgated that you know, the madars have to do some sort of special registration and, you know, like, you know, have to adhere to some like, just, you know, like, uh, uh, um, new restrictions that were essentially just intended to, uh, um, you know, stifle the, the operation of the madars. And look, you know, that's fine. You know, people are like, well, it's the government, they have the right and everything has to flow smoothly. Uh, but, you know, uh, you have to, you have to wonder what's going on when those, uh, regulations are only placed on <clears throat> uh, those few madaris that teach uh, the books of deen 
and all the other masajid are running free and all of the uh, uh, what you call marketplaces are filled with cheating and with uh, adulteration and with uh, uh, you know uh, illegal goods and the uh, businesses are rife with corruption and with bribery uh, but for some reason the madaris are the only problem in the uh, and the madaris that run with no by the way government uh, support on charitable uh, donations from individuals um, that they're the only ones that are getting this. So obviously the madaris are, uh, you know, no, they're going to be a bit sensitive about it. Our madrasa was, mashallah, it was wonderful. They were, they, they stick to the, the, the letter of the law of the sharia. And they said that if the government uh, wants this from us, let them come. And uh, we'll, 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 co we'll, we'll cooperate with them. And so uh, I think something like eight, eight uh, armed police officers came in uniform with automatic weapons. Uh, to the madrasa, and uh, when they uh, pulled into the gate, uh, like mashallah, hundreds of students like surrounded them, uh, uh, not necessarily like to attack, but just to see what's going on. And when you have hundreds of people surround you, even if it's peaceful, it becomes kind of tense. So uh, uh, what happens is that the mashaykh they come out and they tell the students, "All of you, go away." And they ask from those uh, police officers, which one of you is the senior rank? And uh, uh, one of them uh, indicates it's me. He says, come in, let's have a talk. So they took them inside and they had a talk with them. And, uh, you know, I just kind of had like, like whatever, Hamza privilege. So I just hung out outside. And it so happened that, uh, you know, the Mawlid of the Prophet wasallam is a, a national holiday in, uh, in most countries in the, in the Muslim world, actually, including Pakistan. And so since it was Rabi'ul Awwal, uh, when this happened, the month of Rabi'ul Awwal, uh, um, they had uh, pins that were of the shape of the sandal of the Prophet ﷺ. And so I just hang out, I just like talk to one of the soldiers who had a Kalashnikov sling there, uh, you know, uh, across his uh, shoulders. I'm like, yo man, what's, what is that, you know? He's like, this is the Milad, Milad Sharif, the Prophet ﷺ's Milad Sharif. I go, I go, do you know whose Milad that is? He goes, yes, Hazur Pak sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I go, I go, do you know what we teach in that 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 uh, room over there? We're, you know, and you guys came uh, with your automatic weapons, uh, 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 bearing arms. Uh, um, they're like, no. I go, you see the one whose symbol is there on the pin? I go, we teach his hadith. I go, do you think it's a nice thing that you came here armed like this uh, to a, a sacred place uh, like this? And he's like, he just kind of shrugs and he's like, yeah, I guess it kind of sounds bogus, you know. And uh, that's that's kind of what I'm saying is that these are these are gatherings of dhikr. If you're going to like celebrate one and not the other, there's a, a level of bogusness that's 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 happening um, that you don't have to be a particularly religious person to understand what's wrong with that. Um, you just have to think about things for like somewhere between like seven and like 35 seconds. So uh, uh, that's, I think, also something I see. Uh, and it's worth noting. Interestingly enough, the mashayikh and the madrasa complied with the special registration, which the government promptly uh, dropped and forgot about within like two, three weeks, um, just because it was a stunt. But uh, they complied and uh, they told the, the, the police officer, um, they said, look, uh, you know, um, our advice to you is this, is if you ever need anything from us, don't don't come with your soldiers bearing arms. This is, uh, you know, we're all from the same, we all belong to the same faith and we all uh, are countrymen of one another. 
He says, just send somebody to come and talk to us. We'll oblige you and we'll take care of it. Don't make a scene out of it like this next time. Which is, I think, a lesson for all of us. It's a lesson for all of us as well. That sometimes we have a, a, um, very frustrating interactions with our brothers, even when it comes to deen. And sometimes they treat the deen poorly and badly. And uh, we have to restrain ourselves uh, from looking at them as our enemies. They're also people of la ilaha illallah even though their behavior is from time to time ignorant, it's very difficult. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all help and tawfiq. He says, discussions that include the narration of hadith along with its explanation are more complete and virtuous than those involving narration only. Virtuous gatherings also include the discussion of all the legitimate Islamic sciences as, long as, as well as their evidence or along with their evidence and proofs. These sciences deal with outer knowledge and inner knowledge of beliefs, constant awareness of Allah's watch over us, and the heart's perception of Allah's presence. The latter two comprise the constituent knowledge of ihsan, excellence in worship. So he's saying that the gatherings of tasawwuf um, also are uh, gatherings of knowledge as well. This is a branch of learning of the deen. These gatherings also include knowledge of humility, love, hope, patience, contentment, and other states of the soul, which is... The formal study of tasawwuf, this is what the subjects are. You know, unfortunately, we live in an age where, you know, Sufism is like, I don't know, paying someone to read istikhara for you and talking about like stories, fantastical stories. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, paying somebody like a certain amount of money to get like several years of makeup prayers forgiven or some like nonsense like that. But this is what the actual books of tasawwuf and what the actual science of tasawwuf teaches. It says these gatherings include knowledge of humility, love, hope, patience contentment, and other states of the soul. Uh, in the hadith of Jibreel alayhi salam, Ihsan has been designated by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi as constituting part of the religion. Hence, understanding Ihsan uh, properly is essential to properly understanding Islam. And uh, for those of you who, uh, uh, you know, uh, listen on this uh, SoundCloud account to the um, the remedial tasawwuf uh, series, it's a playlist, you'll see that all of it is taught, taught through the hadith of the Prophet wasallam, and these are the topics that he mentions, those are the topics that are taught in them, that that's also a branch of the ulum, that's also a branch of learning. And uh, it's important also to you know mention, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, uh, um, sectarian tension <laughs> uh, much uh, due to you know uh, you know certain individuals having behaved poorly with each other uh, in the present and in the in the near past as well as the far past uh, from different sides uh, not just from one side uh, that gives people somehow the impression that uh, ibn taymiyyah ibn al-qayyim and uh, 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 you know uh, that stream or that tradition within Islam is somehow un unconnected with uh, Tasawwuf or with Sufism. And the fact of the matter is, I think they had a lot of objection about or against uh, the formal practice of, of, of Tasawwuf in their age. And uh, um, they may even have uh, said certain statements using those words in particular that kind of show that their, what their objection is against the, the, the kind of formalized uh, practice of uh, of, uh, of, of, of Tasawwuf and of Sufism in their age. But they themselves also are the custodians of a great, a great uh, uh, tradition of Tasawwuf, uh, which is uh, that uh, Shah Abdul Qadir Jailani and, uh, you know, before him, Imam Junaid and many of the, the, the people whose names we actually mention in, uh, in these late night majalis in years past, 
they consider those people to be the akabir of the deen as well. And like we mentioned in one of the majalis of this year, uh, uh, not so long ago, uh, 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 Ismail al-Ansari al-Harawi, uh, uh, his name literally shows up in the, uh, in the uh, um, tabaqat of the Hanabila, and he is a very staunch opponent of Kalam. And he very squarely fits into this uh, Hanbali, uh, uh, Hanbali uh, in terms of Aqidah, is Hanbali uh, tradition. And, uh, you know, this is Ibn Rajab, who is a student of Ibn al-Qayyim, who is saying all of these things. So those people who front, uh, like, you know, their Ibn Taymiyyah is like Hollywood agent, um, and say all of Sufism is nonsense, they don't either, they, they're, they're ignorant or they're willfully misrepresenting that tradition. And those who, uh, 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 you know, uh, from, from the antagonists who don't agree with Ibn Taymiyyah's fiqh and with, with his aqidah, um, which, you know, with all due respect and stuff, probably includes me uh, uh, in certain points. It just doesn't make sense. Who am I to have a difference of opinion with the great Mashaikh? But there are many things that, that I see positions of, 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 of aqidah and, and kalamic positions, even if you don't want to call them that. Um, uh, as well as fiqhi positions that like they just really don't like I just don't understand any heads or tails of them um, and so uh, you know but I'm not going to say that, that that he isn't a Sufi read any of the fatawa in the uh, in the uh, uh, what you call in the fatawa of Ibn Taymiyyah or read any of his books that same tradition of spirituality they all not only accept it but they also thrive in it uh, and they have uh, you know great contributions uh, to it as well and uh, anyone who claims anything other than that, I feel like is being unfair. And I'm not saying this to ingratiate myself to anybody, but you know, uh, you have to give credit where uh, credit is due, uh, and that's all. Otherwise, I remember one time in uh, uh, in, in in the Khanqa of my own Sheikh, somebody once said to me, he said uh, he said that uh, he said Sheikh, how come all the the Sufis are Hanafi? Uh, and I'm like, what? <laughs> He go, I go, there are Sufis of other madhabs. He's like, yeah, yeah, but there's like none of the Hanbalis are, are, are Sufis at all. And uh, like, why, why is that? And I'm like, uh, have you ever heard, uh, heard of Shabdul Qadir Jailani? And he's just like, yeah. And just very innocent, like bunny rabbit smile on his face. I go, what madhab was he? And he's like, uh, he must have, he was a Hanafi, right? I was like, wrong, guess again. I'll give you a hint, you know? He, and he wasn't Maliki or Shafi'i either, you know? And he's like, uh... <laughs> How could that be? I didn't know that. I go, not only is he a Hanbali, I go, if he came into the Khanqa right now and said, Amin out loud in the Fatiha, you guys would probably like, you know, say something stupid to him. But I go, you know, the, the, the deen is bigger than, you know, sometimes than we think ourselves, you know, uh, the deen is bigger than what we ourselves think of it and pigeonhole it into sometimes. Uh, and so I thought that would be, I thought that was, that was, that was very interesting. Sheikh Amin actually mentioned this. He commented this uh, about this one time. He's a very staunch Hanafi and that's a, 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 a severe understatement that is being polite. Um, he's very, mashallah, staunch Hanafi, you know? Um, and I asked him, I go, Sheikh, uh, uh, what about Shabdu Qadir Jailani? He wasn't a Hanafi, he was a, he was a Hanbali. He said, yes, this is the hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, if, if Shabdul Qadir Jailani was one of us, everybody, all of the authorities would have accused us of making all of these things up. But he goes, Allah in his hikmah made him, made, made him one of them uh, so that uh, the muhaddithun and the uh, athari camp cannot say that uh, this tariqah is, is, is somehow made up or contrived 
Rather, go and read the, the wonderful things that Ibn Taymiyyah says about Shabdul Qadir Jailani, and then afterward, um, you know, uh, afterward, then come back to me and let's have that discussion. Two circles. Such gatherings are better than gatherings whose sole purpose is to remember Allah by repeating phrases like Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, and Allahu Akbar. He's talking about the gatherings of knowledge. They're also gatherings of remembrance and they're superior to the ones in which phrases are repeated. Even though Hamza's uh, footnote is that those repeating phrases, gatherings also have a khair in them. There's a goodness in them. This is because learning one's religion is obligatory on either every individual or the community at large, whereas dhikr by evoking Allah is optional in most cases. And he says from before, he gives a disclaimer, except for the, the, the you know, obligatory prayers and the like. One of the righteous forebears of Islam entered the mosque of Basra and saw that two circles were established. In one sat a sermonizer and the other a jurist. He prayed a special prayer in which he asked Allah's guidance to which of these two circles he should join. He fell asleep and then saw in his dream someone saying to him, do you consider the two gatherings equal? If you wish, I will show you the seat of Jibril uh, in the circle of the jurist. I will show you the seat of Jibril in the circle of the faqih. Now, this is something, I, you know, uh, Allah knows our shortcomings and Allah knows our corruption. I never claimed to be a pious man in front of anyone, nor did I claim to be a learned man. MashaAllah, alhamdulillah, in the couple of days before I like stopped checking my social media accounts, I just blast these things through the share option uh, on SoundCloud. I don't open the Facebook and all this other stuff for, for Ramadan. I give myself a break. I kind of wonder why I don't why I do it the other eleven months of the year, but this is my weakness. You know, we're all we're all in the same situation. But uh, MashaAllah, there are a bunch of people who I guess made a big fuss about Hamza doesn't know the Maliki Madhab and Hamza doesn't this and doesn't that. And so a couple of people reached out to me and said, why are these people saying it? I said, I don't know, maybe it's because it's true. And they're like, well, they said this masala and that masala. I go, well, here's my proofs and uh, I feel like uh, I, what they're saying doesn't make sense to me. But uh, even if I'm right on this issue and they're wrong, uh, but, uh, you know, I never claimed that I knew anything, you know. But why is it still that I think it's worth my time? Even though I know that if I gave like a tutorial about like some current event type issue or some hot button issue or you know i you know like how to wrap your turban around your face i'm going to get 1700 hits in one night and if i give like a lesson about i don't know like you know about hail or whatever fit of like wiping uh, you know on your hoofs or like of buying and selling or uh, of, of inheritance i know nobody's going to listen to it uh, why is it that i keep doing the latter why because uh, mashallah, I guess to other people it's like dry and not interesting to them. What we saw from our elders and from our mashayikh and what we, what you know, those meanings that came forth to us from the Quran is that this is the deen and these are like very Mubarak things. And maybe there's not like a lot of takers for it, but like mashallah, you know, it's a special privilege that certain ranks, uh, the things that they enjoy, the all and sundry don't, don't, don't enjoy them. So alhamdulillah, it's like, you know, it's an honor it's part of the mandate that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me uh, uh, that uh, I should just crack the books open and talk about these things and discuss them with other people. And sometimes someone learns something from me and oftentimes I learn things from other people. Even my mistakes get, um, you know, become apparent to me in, uh, in teaching and talking about these things. And I'm really happy. And uh, what, is, what is Ibn Rajab saying right now that he saw in the, in the dream uh, from the righteous forebear, if you wish, I will show you the seat of Jibreel Salam in the uh, circle of the jurist. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. You know, I want to go and find the faqih and I want to sit. I want to sit next to Sayyidina Jibreel and also learn from him.
Uh, Allah Ta'ala put all of us in the, the shade of the, uh, of the awliya of Allah Ta'ala and the ulama uh, of this deen and uh, the angels that, 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 uh, that come and visit them. Zayd bin Aslam was amongst the most distinguished scholars of Medina. He had a circle in the mosque in which he would teach Quranic commentary, hadith, uh, jurisprudence, and other religious sciences. A man came to him and said, I saw, a dream, uh, I saw in a dream an angel who said to the people of this gathering, This host is secure in the gardens of paradise. He then sent down to them a tender fish, which he placed in front of them. Thereupon a man came to them and said, Verily I saw the Prophet wasallam, Abu Bakr and Omar emerging through this door. The Prophet wasallam was saying, Come with us to Zayd, let us sit with him and listen to his teaching. Then the Prophet wasallam went, sat beside you and uh, grasped your hand. It was not long after this that Zayd had passed away. May Allah Ta'ala have mercy on him. I mean, what can I tell you? These are, uh, you know, those things, the Bisharat that are Akabir and are Aslaf in every generation of this Ummah from that time until this they saw. It said that once uh, Mulana Hussein Ahmed Sayyid Hussein Ahmed Madani Rahimahullah Ta'ala, the Shaykh of our Mashaykh, Allah Ta'ala exalt his rank amongst his awliya. Once he was teaching in the uh, Masjid of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in Medina Munawwara, and a man came and argued with him about the doctrine of the Hayatul Anbiya. The Anbiya alayhim salam as a matter of Aqidah, we believe are alive uh, in their graves. We don't believe A, that their bodies decompose, and B, we don't believe that they're put to sleep. Rather, they're alive in their grave. When you say salam to them, they hear your salam and they repeat, they respond to it, etc., etc. And so uh, somebody uh, came and argued with him about this doctrine once. And he argued until it's time to go home. And the Shaykh says, come back tomorrow and we'll continue our, 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 our debate. And so he came back the next day and argued with him about it, debated with him about it. In those days, the Ottoman setup of Medina Munawwara apparently was that every ustuana, every pillar, there would be a great scholar from somewhere in the Muslim world or another standing there teaching. And all, all of the students and all the ulama would sit in each other's halaqat. Uh, from the most advanced to the most simple uh, and uh, just regular pilgrim, uh, they would sit in the in the in the halakat and they would teach like this, very organic teaching environment. So this man came second day to argue, and uh, then the time left. Then he came back the third day to argue, and Hazrat uh, uh, Mulana uh, just gestured for him to stop talking and then he made ishara he pointed to the noble maqam of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and both uh, uh, the sheikh and this man and uh, they saw the rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam and sayyidina abu bakr and umar behind him and the man just he just he just stayed quiet and he left um, this is the bishara that uh, uh, malik rahimahullah ta'ala and that the people would see the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in his in their dreams, and you know, uh, tell them that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam attends your majlis when you read the muatta. This is the bishara. So many of our ulama, so many of our ulama received it from the most 
uh, lofty of them to even very pious and simple uh, individuals that you know people don't think much of. Uh, Ibn Allan, the commentator, the Dalil of Falihin, the commentary on on Riyadh al-Salihin, which is like Dora Hadith light. It's like one of my favorite books, mashallah. Uh, just very interesting, very relevant uh, information about the Hadith of Riyadh al-Salihin. Uh, Ibn Allan, uh, who used to teach in Makkah Mukarramah, uh, he was having Khatam of Bukhari. Which, mashallah, uh, some of the haters mocked uh, mocked us for having um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, that's fine, alhamdulillah. I, I have no, it doesn't bother me whatsoever. Alhamdulillah, I'm happy. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us reciting the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu in our life and uh, in our death. May uh, that be the mark that uh, that that's that's uh, that we're marked it with and branded with and that we're known by on the day of judgment. So he uh, uh, he said that uh, he said that uh, Ibn Allan was having a khatam of Sahih Bukhari in the Masjid al-Haram, and so he asked his uh, one of his students. Um, he said that will you attend the khatam inshallah? And the student says, uh, um, "My heart grows in longing for the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and I was planning to go and visit him in Medina Munawwara." So I won't be able to make it to your khatam. And so the shaykh says, go ala barakatillah, go, go inshallah, go and come back. And the next day when the time of the khatam comes, he sees that student is there in the majlis. He says, what happened to you? I thought you were going to go visit Rasulullah. Alayhi salatu wasalam. He said, shaykh, I went to sleep at night. And I dreamt myself on the road to Medina Munawwara. And I saw Rasulullah coming to Makkah. I said, Ya Rasulullah, what are, what are you doing? I'm coming to visit you. He said, I'm coming to attend Ibn Allah's Khatam. So these are the bisharat that those miskin uh, fakir mulvis that sit in the corners in this place and in that place and take this knowledge to be their deen and take it as sacred. These are the bisharat that they receive in this world. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase it and give them even more glad tidings on the day that we all meet. <laughs> The chapter ends despite what we have mentioned regarding the preference of knowledge to admonitions. The scholar must occasionally admonish people by relating stories to them. This is necessary to remove hardness from their hearts by helping them to remember Allah and His awesome power. The Quran includes this approach. Hence the learned jurist in reality is one who thoroughly understands the book of Allah and implements it. Ali radiallahu anhu said, the learned scholar is the one who does not cause people to despair of Allah's mercy, nor does he give them warrant to rebel against Allah, nor does he leave the Qur'an giving preference to other books. The Prophet ﷺ himself applied this orientation. <laughs> he used to encourage his companions in his sermons, fearing uh, that he would otherwise overburden them. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, give us the, 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 the Mubarak company of such learned people and such scholars of the law and of his book and of the sunnah of his Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and keep us in the shade of their majalis by life and death and keep us together with those people in this world and the hereafter. Wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.